Before we get into today's episode, we want to know, are you ready for fantasy football? The 2021 NFL season is just a few weeks away, and with fantasy leagues preparing for their drafts, make sure you're up to date on who to draft, who not to draft, and more with fantasy-focused football. ESPN fantasy experts Matthew Berry, Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide daily strategy, previews, and injury reports. That's fantasy-focused football wherever you get your podcast. Also, speaking of fantasy football, for ESPN Plus subscribers, join an ESPN Plus Fantasy Football League now for a chance to win $250,000. That's a quarter of a million dollars. Sweepstakes is U.S. only, 18 or older, no purchase necessary. Visit ESPN.com slash ESPN Plus football rules for full details and official rules. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier, and look at my man Ryan Clark right there. One of the owners of Traction Gym in Baton Rouge, the creator of DB Precision. <laughs> but most importantly, Ryan my Clark guy. told me yesterday that he owns a 25,000-square-foot mansion on five that acres in Baton true. Rouge. So, that Ryan, is. I ask you, my friend, I ask you, my friend, how is Clark Manor treating you this morning? Are you in the parlor? Are you in the smoking Listen, room? I mean, where are you right now, Ryan Clark? Hey, I, I never knew that our production meetings would make it to the actual show in this way. You know what? My feelings are a little bit hurt, but at least you exaggerated. And now people are going to be like, man, RC must have really stacked his chips when he was in the league. If he living on 25000 DC, you know what, though? I know why you're hating on me, bro, because you decided to stay in California where that money don't stretch the same way it's stretching the boot. But if you ever need a place to stay, if you're just coming to visit, I got an apartment over the garage, man. You're always welcome. Oh, I mean, there's money and then there's Ryan Clark money, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what's coming up on the show? We are going to take a deep dive into what Jorge Masvidal has coming up. And then we discuss the pressure that athletes face when in an individual sport opposed to competing in a team sport like football. But before we can get to any of that, right, we're going to talk about Dustin Poirier. But sorry, we go back. We got to discuss what happens on Saturday, the main event between the Killer Gorilla, Jared Cannonier, and his opponent, Kelvin Gaslam. Before we do all that, right, before we do all that, we got to talk about one of the biggest stars in all the mixed martial arts, Dustin Poirier, but his what could be potential opponent, Nathan Diaz. So right here you see Dustin call out Nate Diaz. He goes, Nathan, you know Nathan Diaz. Nate is not going to not respond, so he goes, let's fight. Don't be scared this time. Those guys are supposed to fight way back in 2018 in Madison Square Garden. So then Nathan writes, I knew you were a beep, beep. That's too old for me. Dustin Poirier responds, Nate Diaz, they're lying, and you're getting played. So all this is going on in the public eye. These two guys have been scheduled to fight before, and they want to fight again. So, Ryan, I ask you, when you watch this from the outside, you know the paydays that Dustin Poirier has gotten versus McGregor, and now as he chirps with Nathan Diaz, do you question if Dustin is trying to find the money fight once again? And if he is, how much does it devalue the championship when he is the legitimate number one contender? 
Listen, I don't question if Dustin Poirier is trying to find the money fight. <laughs> he is trying to find the money fight. And you know, DC, man, you fought, you were a champion in two different divisions in the UFC. But the money is different when you get those big pay-per-views or you're going against a guy that's a big draw. And if you watch the division or if you watch people who are around the same size as Nate Diaz, what happens when they don't get a championship fight? They start tweeting Nate. They start chirping at Nate because they know that's a fight that'll be made. Now, because of his style, it's going to be a five-round fight. It's even something that could be a main event or a co-main event on a pay-per-view. So, absolutely, Dustin got a taste of that moolah. He felt what it's like to be against a big name, to be against a big star. And it doesn't devalue the championship, but it tells you what the UFC is now doing in making stars and in making money. This is what Dana White came here to do. When Dana White, before he had the porcelain teeth, before he had the bald head, before he got <laughs> swole up, when the UFC wasn't what it was, when they had the big fat dude fighting in like the, the, the gee bottoms and then it had the dude with the mullet fighting oh in the tank God. top and the shoes, this is what Dana White wanted it to get to. He wanted stars. Dustin Poirier has developed himself into one of the very best in the fight game. But Nathan Diaz is one of the biggest draws. And Dustin knows that. And he's going after that. If he has to fight Charles, he'll fight Charles at some point. And when he gets the belt, he can be the draw. But for now, get that money, bro. You know what the craziest thing about the whole Dustin Poirier situation is? And I'm not saying he's wrong by any means. It's like before, all anyone ever wanted was to become a champion. Because Dana always said publicly... When you're holding that belt, everything changes. I can speak to that. As a guy that fought in the UFC and strike force before, not champion, to what I made when I became the champion. But the reality is today, mm. the sport has grown so far from those things that you said before that guys don't have to wear a belt to become a champion. Nathan Diaz is one of those guys. He's a massive star. Dustin Poirier, for all that he has become, is still not a draw in that regard. Now, it was very evident what fighting against someone like Nathan Diaz or Conor McGregor can do for your career. You can even watch it from the social mm -hmm. presence that Dustin Poirier has and even from what Habib Absolutely. has after fighting Conor McGregor. It just literally puts you on a different level in terms of recognizability, right? Being recognized. People know Dustin Poirier more today and that's honestly from the rub. It's no wrestling term. You wrestle the biggest name, you become well, more of a star. That's what happened with Dustin with Connor. Now he doesn't want to go backwards. He doesn't want to go back and fight Charles in a fight, honestly, which might be the toughest fight for him, but it will be seen by so many less people, Ryan. So, yes, he's chasing the money fight. I can't say he's wrong, but as a guy that always valued the championship, I would kind of like to see him get that gold belt wrapped around his waist. Well, D.C., D.C., as... As a champion, how did you evaluate your fight opportunities? Were you always looking for the fight that got you to the belt or the fight that got you the belt? And honestly, mm. DC, I don't even know why I'm asking you this question because I feel like every fight you had in the UFC was for the belt. You were like one of those dudes. Hey, listen, you had Dana White privilege. That's what you had, DC. It wasn't Michael Chandler. It was you, bro. And so when you were trying to figure out who you were going to fight, which you never had to do because you were 
were winning championships all the time. For you, was it belt first and money second? Or did you have the privilege of actually having those things coincide so the decision wasn't very hard? You know what, Ryan? First off, you said I had Dana White privilege. Come on, man. The uh, the reality is I, I won, and I did have some opportunities. For a while there, it seemed like I couldn't get rid of the belt. I'm like, take it back. Then something would happen to where the belt would fly back to me. It was like, it was like a magnet. But right. um, I, I'll tell you this. I've always, as a guy, that I was always championship first. It was like it motivated all my decisions. But the reality is when you're in Dustin's situation, you can fight other guys that have much bigger name value. But for me, it was always just the next guy up. And I think whereas maybe I was more vocal on the microphone and I didn't always say whatever the UFC says next, I think that's the biggest mistake fighters make. I always kind of just fought the next guy. And luckily, mm -hmm. it was in opportunities to make a lot of money. But the reality is a Vulcan-Ozdemir right. fight wasn't ideal for me, but he was the next guy. Now, as the champion, you always got the next guy. It doesn't matter what they have done in terms of mm -hmm. name recognition. All that matters is what they have put on paper to put them in a title shot in most instances. And for Dustin, he gets that belt. Whoever wins and earns a title shot, he'll have to fight him. And that won't always be the Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor's of the world that are right. guaranteed to move but the needle in terms of pay-per-views. And listen, and and, and and that's kind of, I'm not necessarily going to say the, the old way of the UFC, but now since it's built stars, you're going to get some of these, we won't call them super fights, but we'll call them super draws as fight. But when you think about Dustin yep. Poirier having an opportunity or at least chirping at Nate Diaz, say that fight gets made and we're all excited about it. We know it's going to be a brawl. We know that Nate's going to be bloody and Dustin's going to be skillful and on attack the entire time. Who does Charles Oliveira fight then, right? You just, you're coming off of beating um, Michael Chandler. Now you have an opportunity to move on to the next guy, which we all assumed would be Dustin Poirier. Now, if that fight isn't made, who does the champion get next? Because you say it's next guy up. You know what the crazy thing about that is, right? Is having a champion that isn't necessarily known to the general public, right? To the casual fan, mm -hmm. they don't really know Dubronx. You knew Dubronx because you love fighting and you're a hardcore fan of right. the sport. But if you walk Charles Oliveira, right, say when you were playing for the Steelers, if you walk Charles Oliveira mm -hmm. into that locker room, very few people will know Charles Oliveira. But it'll be like me and Troy Palomalu that would have known him. <laughs> yes, that's it, right? You and Troy would have known Charles Oliveira because you love the sport. But if Connor walked in mm -hmm. there, then Bill Cowher would walk over to Connor McGregor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, they just mm -hmm. know. They all know him. That's the problem with having a guy that isn't known to the fans because then the guy like Dustin, who could honestly propel Charles Oliveira with a victory over Dustin, says, eh, my value is a little high for this guy. Even though he's holding the belt, I'd prefer to fight the other guy. That's where the issue arises. And that's where it can be a problem for stars that don't hold the championship. Because then... They start to see value in the bigger fight of holding the belt. And as an organization, you always want that belt to be the grand prize. You don't want mm -hmm. a McGregor fight to be the ultimate prize to the competitor. The prize needs to stay the championship. And it seems like right now, 
things are changing. Man, things are changing all around the world in terms of sport, right? I saw my guy Herb Street right. on SportsCenter the other day talking about how the world's changing in college sports because of the NIL. I mean, yeah. the money is changing everything across the board in all sports, and I think the same thing is happening in the UFC. Yeah, well, and money always changes everything. I really stood I didn't even answer yeah. the question. <laughs> I didn't even answer the question. Hey, I just said who like, Charles Oliveira is going to fight next because I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> That's Hey, that's because you answered like six other questions in the question I asked. So it's okay because you did half the show anyway, bro. But even when I start to think about <laughs> Charles Oliveira or I think about the UFC, you have to look at the shift in Dana White, right? Recently, we did a show and we started listening to Dana talk about the interim belt in the, the WBO and the IBF. And we're thinking back to, you know, it's like Hagler and Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran, where you could have all these champions who are, who are truly huge draws and get those guys to fight each other. That wasn't the tune that Dana White was singing back in the day. That wasn't the UFC that he was trying to make. That was the whole huge deal about there only being one belt. But that tide has totally shifted. And I think that tide has shifted is because now you have people at home like me looking at Surreal Gone and saying, okay, that dude is the interim champ. He's also undefeated. And so now every time we see him leading up to a fight against Francis Ngannou, not only will Francis Ngannou have a championship belt in front of him, but Cyril Gan will as well. And that's how the game has changed. This game has changed to make stars. I remember watching Anderson Silva in his heyday and understanding every time that he stepped into the octagon, somebody was about to get blues. Whether he was going to have to run backwards and hit Forrest Griffin <laughs> with a straight with a straight, uh, a straight jab and put him to the ground. Whether he was going to be get, getting beat by our colleague Chell Sonnen for the entire fight and then find a way to submit him, I knew Anderson Silva was going to win. But still, was he making the type of money that he deserved? Was he making more money than he'll make from having exhibition fights now? No. The game has changed, DC. And I think when the game changes, the athlete has to change. And when the athlete changes, the way mm -hmm. they approach their decision-making change. And that's where we are now. And I love it for the UFC. I love it for these fighters. The game is too hard to not make your money when you have a chance. Absolutely. You know, I, I know the guys are, are thinking more like business professionals. And because they're thinking more like professionals, you will see things like that. Now, listen to this, though, RC. There are people, though, that are draws and are still looking to find the shortest path to the title. Because for a guy like Gamebred, for a guy like Masvidal, right. who is one of the bigger draws in the entire sport, he understands that he can only be bigger now by holding that championship belt, which he has fought for twice and lost. So mm -hmm. then Masvidal goes back to the drawing board and says, what gets me closer? And now it seems like Masvidal is ready to accept the fight with Gilbert Burns, which would be fantastic. But he can also seems to be willing to accept the fight against Leon Edwards, which this fight has everything to it. But this is what Dorino said to say, game bread. You know, it's all respect for me. Let's dance in November or December. I'm ready, my guy. It's super necessary. Let's do this. Super necessary is what Gamebred says in regards to everything. Now, what Gamebred said, once Gamebred said super necessary, when he punched Leon Edwards in the face backstage when he said I hit him with a two-piece in the soda. I love the Dorino fight. Yeah. But the Leon Edwards fight, for me, it, it covers all the bases in regards to putting that rivalry to rest, but also giving mm -hmm. Leon Edwards 
one more opportunity to fight a guy that's going to elevate his name, and then there can be no denying that this man deserves the title fight, which he does now. Leon Edwards should be fighting for the belt. DC. But he always just DC. misses DC. just barely in mm -hmm. those instances where he can earn that shot. What do you mean? Uh -uh. DC, let me tell you what, what do you though. Mean, uh -uh? Let me tell you what. See, no, see, you think I'm about to go somewhere else, bro? Just let, let your boy talk. One, I'm about to give you something from a Louisiana okay. animal, from a boot boy. You you know how we do, DC. Okay. Let's say it's high school and we at the skating ring, right? We at the skate ring. We get to talking with somebody. We get face to face, and he hit me with a two piece in the soda, right? He hit me with the wing in the breast, right? Because it was dry. It was <laughs> yes. quick. Foop, foop. It wasn't dark meat, right? Because it wasn't wet. I ain't get. And you don't get your get back, right? I don't get. I don't get a chance. And then now, every time they show the video, I got my homeboys wiping off my face. No, we gotta run that. Period. <laughs> Based off of just the fact that I didn't get a chance to stand toe-to-toe -to, -toe to you, toe-to-toe -to -toe with you, and square up. And for the UFC, it's a win. Leon Edwards is a dude that you're continually trying to build up. So when he does get his opportunity at Kamaru Usman, who beat him long ago, you can say, you know what? This guy's come so far, and let's look at the list of people that he's beat. We've already seen him fight Nathan Diaz. So to get an opportunity to fight Jorge Masvidal, which would be a huge draw, which everybody knows when game break comes to the octagon, it's going to be a toe-to-toe -to -toe slugfest. That's the fight you want. Because it's easy to say if Leon Edwards wins that, that he's the next guy in line. Because right now, Kamaru Usman is just recycling folks and spitting them out and bringing them back to the recycle bin. So give Leon Edwards a chance to build himself up. And then if Jorge Masvidal wins, it's great for everybody. Game bread is still moving up. This is the fight to make. This is the fight I want to see because I want to see how you dudes work, right, DC? I want to see that if I get stole on outside the octagon, am I going to bring <laughs> that, that same type of energy, that same type of fire into the fight? Jorge Masvidal doesn't have it's to different. chase the money because he is the money, but he needs the power and the respect, mm -hmm. and Leon can get him that. Yeah, Leon can get him to respect, but then it builds another problem, right? Because Leon Edwards has won 10 fights or nine fights. He hasn't been beaten in 10 fights. So if Leon Edwards goes and fights game, Brett, say he wins, great. We have the next right. contender. But okay. if he loses, now what do you do, right? Now you got Gilbert Burns, who's winning again, and you got Masvidal, who just beat a guy that should be fighting for the belt. I don't know if that's the fight to make in that regard. I want to see it because of the storyline. Like I said, a messy I want to see a fight because of that. But in terms of the business and the path, I worry about it. But you look at the top six here, Masvidal, Edwards, Burns, all right in the mix. But, I mean, Usman has beaten just about everybody outside of Wonderboy Thompson and Vicente Luque. But Wonderboy just got beat by Gilbert Burns. Yeah, he just lost. So it's like you got to log jam because the champion is so dominant, right? Because he's so mm -hmm. dominant – he starts looking down the rankings if he gets past Covington again. And if Leon Edwards isn't available, he's like, what do I do? But let's be honest. So, D.C., right? so D.C., tell Leon me this, though. Edwards tell me this, though, D.C. Wait, no, but hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Leon Edwards could get that title fight, right? But he could also get screwed again because now guess who's entered the conversation? Your boy, Conor McGregor. That's what I was going to ask. Conor entered the conversation – does Kamaru Usman have to pay attention to it, right? Like, I mean, look at Connor. Connor does an ask the Notorious. Tremendous when they asked about the title shot and also fighting up at heavyweight, uh, 170. 
He goes, tremendous. I would love this record to be a three-division champ. I fight for the 175 title. I will spark him. That will be the fastest knockout in UFC history, 13 seconds. Most knockdowns in UFC title fight history, five. And then another KO in the UFC title fight, three title fights, three KOs, three records. It's right there. Then Usman goes, spark who? You must be talking about that pipe you've been smoking. Unlike you, if I'm going to talk, <laughs> leave, I'll you. Now be quiet before I call Poirier or Habib or Diaz to finish you again, pound for pound kick. But as we talked about with Poirier, Kamaru Usman, as a businessman, has to deal with this McGregor situation because Connor is hands down the biggest star in the sport. DC, if I'm Kamaru Usman, if Dana White and the UFC want to make this fight, I don't listen. I'm not going. I don't know how y'all send y'all contracts in. You see, it, 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 it could be different for y'all. But whatever way I send the contract in, it's going to be the fastest way I can freaking possibly send it. I don't care if I need to text it, if I need to email it, if I got a docu sign it, or if I got to get a private jet and go to Dana White's house and figure it out. You get that deal done. One, because Kamaru Usman can smash Conor McGregor. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's more physical. He's the guy that's continuing to become more skilled. And do you know the money that Kamaru Usman can make? And you said it yourself early on in the show, DC. It's a logjam there. So give him an opportunity to get a super fight. And whether fortunate or unfortunate, the biggest super fight in MMA in the, in the UFC is if you get a fight, a chance to fight Conor McGregor. If they came to me and we were doing this show one day and they said, hey, man, you're not going to get to do the show because in eight weeks, DC is going to fight Conor McGregor. He's going to come out of retirement. I would understand. <laughs> and I would say, get your money, my dog. Because if you're Kamaru Usman and you Everybody. see this, you absolutely answer, you absolutely reply, and you try to make it happen. You fight him, DC, wouldn't you? Well, you see that. But you see that in a lot of fighters, right? Like you see it in a lot of them. Like when Jake Paul calls somebody's name, they just rush to it because Jake Paul brings the eyes right now. Conor McGregor says someone's name, they rush to it because Conor brings the eyes always. So if you're Kamaru Usman, and this thing becomes a real possibility if you get through Colby Covington. I will say this on record as I've said before. Colby Covington is the toughest fight for Kamaru Usman in the welterweight division right now because of his cardio, his pace, his pressure, and his wrestling. He is a very tough fight for Usman. But if Usman gets through Covington again, and Conor McGregor fight is an opportunity, why wouldn't he do it? Any person with a brain would do that. Usman fought against Masvidal on seven days when Masvidal had all the mm -hmm. hype, right? When he had been knocking everybody out, got on the plane, stopped in Italy for the pizza, did all that whole thing, and he sold more pay-per-views than he's ever sold in his life. Then he fought him again, right? But he fought him again after fighting Gilbert Burns and seeing the difference in a pay-per-view against a guy that is a very difficult fight but may not have the name, mm -hmm. and a guy that is an easier fight but has a massive name. So if I'm Kamara Usman for my style, I'm definitely taking that or looking into it as an opportunity because you and I both know that Conor McGregor is the biggest star in all of mixed martial arts, and that won't change. Wins, losses, it won't right. change. He will constantly stay as the marquee name in mixed martial arts. I think what, what shows that more than anything, DC, is Conor McGregor hasn't won a fight in an extremely long time. He's 0-2 in his last two fights against Dustin Poirier. I can't remember a time 
since this show has started. Granted, we haven't been talking about UFC together for a long time, but that we haven't spoken about Conor McGregor, whether whether it's a tweet, whether it's him about to fight, whether it's him after a fight, whether it's him talking about other people fighting. That's the type of draw Conor McGregor has created himself. This wasn't someone else. And I mm-hmm. think the thing that's starting that's starting to be forgotten about Conor McGregor is he built his stardom on these, though. And those aren't yeah. the same right now. Yeah. Those aren't having the same effect on the guy standing across from him. From him. And I believe Kamaru Usman understands that. But he understands that the money that flows with him will still be there. I can remember it like it was yesterday, even though it wasn't long enough ago when... Conor McGregor was ready to walk out in Las Vegas. I watched people rush from the top of the arena just to get a look at this dude, just to get a picture on their phone, just to get a video, just to experience who Conor McGregor was. It was different. The electricity in the building, the energy was different. If you can get a part of that energy, you can also get a part of that money. And that's something every fighter should look into. What's up, guys? That's it for part one of DC and RC. Make sure you get part two wherever you get your podcast on Thursday. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.